Good morning, Faith Covenant Church from Sayulita, Mexico. We've been here for the last uh, three months during COVID-19. We're here suffering for Jesus, but uh, hey, somebody's got to do it. So actually, it hasn't all been easy, but we're so blessed to be here and that being this close to Chicago has enabled me to go and be with my mom. Of her last 60 days of life, I was able to take care of her and be with her for 20 of those days. I remember Rita coming uh, on behalf of the Deacons of Faith Covenant, bringing, bringing my mom orange juice and other groceries. Thank you for being with her before and then during as well her time of hospice. What a blessing to be a part of Faith Covenant Church. And so our call is to equip the church to make fruitful disciples and not just converts. To make disciples, yes, of individuals, but also of nations. So I don't know if you see this coin right here. It's a Mexican coin, 10 pesos, and our call, like the two sides of the same coin, is to be with Christ and do in Christ. But you know, Jesus, we read in Mark, he chose his disciples that they might be with him and to send them out. And the order is important. Being in Christ, again, being in Christ, being held by Him, being close to Him, or as John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. But our, our call is to remain in Him, to be close to Him. So again, the order is important. Being with Him. Being in Christ. In Christ, we are loved. We're chosen. We're daughters. We're sons. We know who we are, our identity. We are loved. This morning, I was reminded that I am my beloved's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. I am loved. You are loved. We are loved. We have purpose and we are given his power. And in Christ, we know our place. We know our purpose. We know our power for mission. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, I pray that being rooted and established in love, we may have the power to grasp how wide how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. To know His grace, to know we are His handiwork created for good works in Christ. To know our place, our purpose, and our power for mission in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you knew my mom, and some of you knew my dad. My mom, as I mentioned earlier, was a member of Faith Covenant Church for close to two years. So my mom and dad were very involved in mission, making disciples, planting churches. They helped start the uh, what's called CIPE, uh, the Fraternity of Latin American Covenant Churches. So I found, among some notes of my mom's files, I found, I found a letter that I had written to my mom and my dad when I was 15 years old. I was at camp in the U.S. and in this letter I, I expressed to my dad said, wow thank you dad for discipling me and I wrote in this in this letter again 15 years old I think it was 1982 and it said mom and dad mom I miss you dad I miss you tremendously and I do I do miss my mom and dad I miss them back then but then that was just a trip over the summer and now their trip my mom has gone <laughs> further and she is with Christ for eternity and one day one day I will be with him one day we will all be together on the other side of eternity 
So looking through notes, my sermon notes of my dad as well, I, I came across the following quote of a sermon that he preached at Rolling Hills Covenant Church in 1988. And he quoted Isaiah chapter 60, verse 22, which says, The least of you will become a thousand, the smallest a mighty nation. And at times my dad and my mom, they may have felt small, but they had a God-sized vision. And today, both my mom and dad, I think they would want us to be encouraged and challenged as, as other saints that have gone before us, as we read about in Hebrews chapter 11. To be challenged and encouraged in the vision and action for, for the nations, for generations of disciples who know their place, they know their purpose, they know the power for mission in and for Christ. Let me read a quote to you from uh, Pastor Edgardo Silvoso. He's from Argentina. And just by, by God's provision and mercy and grace, the week that my mom passed away, he called me to talk to me. And I've been in touch with him almost every day since then. So he writes in his book, Ecclesia, about the country of Guatemala. And this is what he writes. He says, Guatemala is a beautiful country that has the highest percentage of born-again Christians in Latin America. And when we add to this, that Guatemala has had two presidents who boldly shared their faith and urged the people to receive Christ, plus the vibrant mega churches planted there and a national network of Christian radio stations that saturate the country with biblical teachings. All the necessary elements are given to transform a nation. However, Guatemala is ranked among the worst five nations in the Caribbean and Latin America in terms of security, economy, and transparency in government. So much so that it is below Haiti, a nation that is the opposite pole in terms of religion since it is mired in witchcraft and sorcery. How can this be? I respectfully suggest that this low ranking is because the church did not set out to disciple the nation, but rather to evangelize people. So integrating these two dimensions of the Great Commission is necessary for a nation to be transformed. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. God's word says the following, Then Jesus came to them. So this is after the resurrection, before his ascension. He came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Notice it says, go and make disciples of all nations. Take a look at a short video of a church that is working, many different congregations, they're working in a city to transform the city. Murder capital of the world. That was the word on the street in 2010, when drug lords and cartels fought a bloody turf war. Today, Ciudad Juarez is experiencing a renewal so dramatic and powerful that it is no longer the world's most dangerous city. Optimism has begun to return. Por el poder de Dios. With the power of God and the help of Christians in the city, homicides have decreased by 80%, kidnappings by 100%, and extortions are down by 90%.
Now we can say our churches, our streets and our sports areas have been rescued. In 2011, I went to a high place in the outskirts of the city. And by God's grace, uh, I made a declaration to adopt the city. I said to the city, you're no longer an orphan. And today I'm in another high place, right in the middle of the city. This is the way God sees our cities. Places where he wants to manifest himself to the church, in the community, in the marketplace, bringing transformation. Corruption is a cancer throughout Mexico and it affects everybody. There is no sector that is not involved, from government to civil society to ordinary citizens. We have hung signs on the walls of government offices telling our society not to accept bribes or to give money to officials asking for favours. We are telling the citizens that if they start doing it, they will be sanctioned by the authorities. I would like this campaign to go all over Mexico. It'll fix and make a whole lot of a difference on, on the country itself. But we need to start somewhere, and this is the right place to start. But as we have learned to use the keys of the kingdom that God has given to the church, we have found this, the keys are not to lock our, our, ourselves in, but to lock ourselves out and come into the community and bring transformation and enjoy what God wants to do, bringing the kingdom of God to our cities. The church of Jesus Christ is called to disciple the nations. You know, I'm not in a church building right now. I'm, I'm outside near, near the beach, but I really know I, I, I am the church. I'm, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit along with you. It's people, right? The church, it's important to know our identity. The church needs to know its place, its purpose. It's the power in the spirit, its identity. David Bosch, a theologian from South Africa, said the following, the church does not have a mission. The mission has a church. And this is not simply a nuance of a definition, but a profound matter of place and purpose, identity and direction. The church is not the end. The church is not the goal. The church is the means or the instrument. In Matthew 28, we read that we are called to disciple what? To disciple the nations. So, of course, we're called to disciple individuals, our neighbors, and where we work, our family. But we're called to disciple Wheaton. We're called to disciple where I live now, here in Sayulita, Mexico, temporarily, and then back in Spain, in Cardedeo, El Valles, Barcelona. We are called to disciple cities. We are called to disciple the nations. We need to know our identity in Christ, who we are, who we are corporately and collectively as a church. So, so what is the place? What is the identity of the church? How would you define the identity and purpose of the church of Wheaton? Or the church, whoever you, wherever it is that you live. Wheaton, Sayulita, Barcelona, Cardedeo, the U.S., Mexico, Spain. How would you define its identity and purpose? So listen to these images of the church from Scripture. The church is. This is according to the Bible. The church is the fullness of God, the power of God, the wisdom of God, the bride of Christ, the temple of God, the glory of God, the household of God, and all of these images in the Bible. I think the one that Jesus used more than any other image was that of father and family. That's why it's so important to know. Like he prayed to the Father, Abba, to know who we are as his loved ones, as his children, as his daughters, as his sons, as holy ones. 
So Latin American theologian Orlando Costas, he draws from scripture and he describes what he calls master images of the identity of the church. Oikos is one of them. We find this in 1 Peter and 1 Timothy and other places as well. It's translated house or building. A building made of people, not of bricks, not of walls, but of people. We are the oikos. We are the house of God. We are the people of God. Other images, laos, genos, ethnos, also found like in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. People with a divine calling, chosen. So this will sound familiar, right? A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. And then there's Soma Christo. You see this in Ephesians chapter 1. The body of Christ, fulfilling the mission of Christ. And when we see the body, we see Christ. That which is visible outward. An outward representation of the kingdom of God being realized in and through the church. So I'd like to focus some attention on the fourth master image that Orlando Costas presents. And that is the church as ecclesia. And that is the word in Greek that we translate as church. So Matthew chapter 16 verse 18. Jesus says the following. Speaking to Peter. But he's speaking to us today. He says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, my ecclesia. And the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not prevail against it. So what was understood by the people that were listening to Jesus when he used this word ecclesia? So it turns out this is a term well known. They knew the context. This word was a socio-political, economic word and term, not just religious. But why a socio-political and economic term? So the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, it says will not prevail. The gates, it's important to understand what were the gates. There were people, specific people that sat at the gates at the entrance of the city or of the town. Do you know who these people were? Like at the Athanesian Ecclesia. The Athanesian Ecclesia were those people who sat at the gates and they were the legal authorities, the judicial authorities, the legislative authorities. So here's the definition of Ecclesia. Ecclesia is a community of kingdom of God-minded people who are responsible for the well-being of the society that surrounds them. It is called to transform society against which the authorities of earth and hell will not prevail. See, it's the church that penetrates, has authority in the name of Jesus. The church, the ecclesia, is responsible for the well-being of the community. Faith Covenant, along with the other local congregations in Wheaton, responsible for the well-being of Wheaton. Ed Silvoso writes, and he goes on talking about ecclesia. He says that the ecclesia was a movement of people without buildings, so it's fine to have buildings. I mean, right now we can't even meet in buildings by and large. But a, a movement of people without buildings designed to operate 24-7 in the marketplace, the place of work, the place of education, with the purpose of having an impact in all things in every way. In other words, to disciple and thus transform society. So the Ecclesia of Jesus is a community that disciples cities and nations, not just individuals. Now let me read an analogy. I heard this analogy from theologian Johannes Reimer, who, who's, who's known by many covenant church leaders. He's a free church theologian, uh, trainer of church planting. He is currently 
uh, the director of the World Evangelical Alliance's Peace and Reconciliation Network. So it's an analogy of church and potatoes. I don't know if you can see this potato here. It's, it's, it's actually a little dirty, um, but here's the analogy. So the church gathers one potato after another. And we take it out of the dirty earth and we clean it and we put it in a clean, pretty sack. And we put it in a special place at home. And if it's cold, we turn on the heat, right? And the potatoes in the sack, they have fellowship. They're not in the earth or in the world. And then with great expectation and excitement, we go and... You look for the fruit of our potatoes. What is the fruit that they're giving out? But something smells really, really bad. And we look everywhere, all around, except we don't look in the sack. And then we realize the potatoes have rotted. And that's what smells. So what is it that Jesus wants to do with the potatoes, using the same illustration? So for a potato to bear fruit, it must be put in the dirty ground, in the earth, in the world. For a seed to bear fruit, it must first die, right? In John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. So God reconciled the world through Christ. He went into the earth, into the dirt. John 20.21 20, says that just as the Father sent Jesus, sent to the world... So now we are sent into the world. So there, there are three necessary ingredients of a church that knows its place, purpose, and power for mission. And remember, it's not the church that has a mission. It's the mission of God that has a church as an instrument. So here are the three necessary ingredients of a church that knows its place, purpose, and power for mission. The Father, the Son... And the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's it. No, let me let me unpack that just a little bit. The Father. In Latin, there's this theological term known as missio dei, the mission of God. The Father. That's the foundation. The heart of God is mission. Our God is a missionary God. Just read from Genesis on through Revelation. God is a missionary God. His desire is that all would be saved. There's already a plan laid out right after the fall of redemption, of saving. So this is not just a, an extra or a ministry of the church that, well, we have our mission program. It's the core. The focus is mission, not the church. The church is an instrument. And to follow then God's plan and not my plan. Again, the church is an instrument chosen by God for mission. That's the Father. Then the Son, the Latin term, missio Christi. That's the method. That's the way. That's the how. God loved the world, so he sent Jesus, John 3.16. So there's no other name by which the world is saved. The church is sent as Jesus was sent. So let's look at this biblical text for this Pentecost Sunday. It's from Acts. Acts chapter 1, a couple verses, and then Acts chapter 2. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. And they knew as they heard Jesus that they had been chosen. We read in the Gospel of Mark that he chose them to be with him so that he might send them out. So they knew their place 
and they knew their calling and their purpose as, as witnesses. And the term in Greek for witnesses is martyria. That's where we get our word martyr from. Witnesses, willing, because they were loved and transformed, willing to give their lives and to die for Jesus if called upon in their purpose of discipling the nations. So that's the method, right? Missio Christi, to go as Jesus went. But we need the power. And so we read on in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So with Pentecost, with the filling of the Holy Spirit, they are now given the power. See, three years of studying, walking with Jesus, seeing Him were great, but they were not enough. They needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that would be with them always in all places, available to each and every one of us that are in Christ. The presence of Jesus with us. I need to be filled. You need to be filled. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, the mission has a church, right? The foundation of the mission is the Father, Missio Dei. The method is Missio Christi, is Christ. That's the way. And the power of the mission is the Spirit. In Latin, that's called Missio Espiritu. The power of the mission comes from the coming of the Spirit. Now, there's an interesting contrast. As we read Acts chapter 1, before the coming of the Spirit... So they know their place and they know their purpose. But they do kind of a rational exegesis. They have to choose a 12th disciple. And they choose the 12th disciple in the wrong way. The 12th disciple chosen by God was Paul. So then we get to Acts chapter 2, the coming of the Spirit. And there's a pneumatic, a a Spirit-filled exegesis. The Spirit comes... Peter preaches and 3,000 are converted. And Christ, my brothers and sisters, my friends and family of faith, Christ is Lord of the mission. The church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Faith Covenant is a local congregation that is a part of the church of Wheaton and the surrounding area. And you are called and you're being equipped under the loving and excellent leadership of your pastor, Nate. Called and being equipped to disciple Wheaton. So Nancy and I are in Mexico right now during this COVID-19 time. We have had lots of work, Zoom meetings, training and discipling online. We've launched a webpage. We've put our Freedom in Christ resources to disciple online and they're being used in different countries. And recently, Ed Silvoso approached me, I think I mentioned the week after my mom died, to consider how we might work together to disciple cities and nations. So yeah, as we look to Mexico, as we look to Venezuela, Colombia, Argentina, Costa Rica, Cuba. But, but what about the small town of Sayulita, where we are now? Do we have to wait until we're back in Spain or until we can teach in Guatemala or Colombia, where I plan to go? What about in the interim? Well, here's a story about Sayulita, and it's about fruits and vegetables. So we met... Luis, a local businessman, about six weeks ago in a small restaurant on the beach, not too far from where I'm speaking right now. He shared that he'd had to close down his restaurant and other businesses in town because of COVID-19. And so he was forced to lay off 24 employees. And he said, you know, he'd be okay, but, you know, he was concerned for his employees. 
So he was discouraged, but you know, early one morning, a few days later, he pondered as he looked out over the main street of the city, and he had an idea. I later told him that I think that this idea was given to him. It was a revelation from God, and he agreed. So he remembered all of the local farmers. He knew them personally in the area because he'd been a representative on the political party called the, the Partido Político Campesino, the Peasant or Farmers Labor Local Political Party. So Luis knew all of the farmers in the area, all the farmers who grow fruits and vegetables. So he thought, why not buy from them at a good price and sell to the local stores fruits and vegetables at a better price than they had before. And so he prepared to do just that. He invested $9,000 to buy refrigeration, some infrastructure. He used a property that he had. It was an empty, empty, empty building uh, along one of the streets. And he rehired all of his employees and started to distribute fruits and vegetables to all the, to all the stores in town. Not only that, but he's given out over 1,500 bags of food to people in need that couldn't pay anything. And God has prospered him. And I hope to talk to him later today because now, starting Monday, restaurants are going to open again uh, here in Sayulita. And chances are he will hire more employees than he had before. So he shared this whole story with me on, on the street early one morning last week. Just outside his fruit and vegetable store about 7 in the morning. That morning when I was walking to work to my co-working space, I just had a sense that I should take a different route. I think, I think it was the Spirit of God to go down a different street. And that's when I ran into Luis. And so we talked. And we talked about life. We talked about God. I raised some questions. He shared with me that he had some relatives, a couple of relatives that were Catholic priests. And, and so that led to one thing and another. And I said, you know what, Luis? There are pulpit priests and pastors, like myself, like Pastor Nate, like Donato, who's here in town, the Catholic priest, or Paul, who's the pastor of Calvary Chapel. And then I said, then there are street pastors. And Luis, I said, you are a street pastor. You are called to pasture your family, to pasture your employees and their families to take care of them. And he kind of smiled and agreed and I offered to pray for him and I blessed him and I blessed his business. So as you pray for Wheaton, would you also pray with us for Sayulita? Pray for Luis, pray for his business, the groceries, the fruits and vegetables, pray for the local priest Don Donato and Paul, the local Calvary Chapel pastor. Pray that God would give Nancy, give me favor as a catalyst and person of peace and blessing, helping to help connect these people and others together to partner with God's kingdom coming to Sayulita as in heaven. So most of you are listening in Wheaton right now as we are in Sayulita, but remember your call to disciple Wheaton as a local congregation along with all of the other congregations, the Church of Wheaton. Listen and watch in prayer this following video. I think it will encourage you and remind you of, of what you're already doing and, and, and far greater things that God wants to do in you and through you. You wake up every morning wanting to be faithful to God. You love your family and work hard to support them. You're succeeding in your industry, getting promoted and gaining influence. You're committed to your community, volunteering on the weekends and making time for God on Sunday. But as you hear the pastor preaching that Jesus said we would do greater things than he, you start to wonder if you were created for more. 
Does God have bigger dreams for you than you have for yourself? What would it look like to move from just good to transformational? What if every morning you woke up with a sense of divine purpose and strategy? Your marriage wasn't just working, but growing in intimacy and passion. Your relationship with your kids was full of adventure and joy. Or you're thriving in your single life. You could hear the voice of God in small and major daily decisions as you start to see answers to prayer and act style miracles regularly in your home, at your office, and in your community. You weren't just maintaining, but you're actually advancing the kingdom of God everywhere you go. What if all of this was possible and more? You may be asking yourself, why would I ever dare to dream so big? Folks, you said, but is this biblical? Absolutely. But there, you know, there's a simple and practical next step I want to suggest for you. Stay in the Word. Stay in prayer, in community. Read the Bible. But get and read a book called Prayer Evangelism by Ed Silvoso. So this is a step that you can take. And it's biblical in content. And it's a practical uh, and biblical book that lays out a clear route for unity and mission for faith covenant and all of the churches in Wheaton. And if you want to, read read the book Ecclesia by Ed C. Loso as well. So on this Pentecost Sunday, let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us. Just wait in silence. Fill us to know our place, our purpose, and give us power to disciple people and the nations. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your power. Thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit. Renew in us even now the meaning and power of this prayer that you taught your disciples. Would you pray with me the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.